Welcome to Life Point Church. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, this section's alive. It's my students. They better be alive. All right. Hey, guys, thank you so much for being here. My name is Andrew Garcia, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Life Point Church. We're in a series right now called One Hit Wonder. And the idea here is that every pastor that comes on stage gets to just preach about and talk about what we feel like God has placed on our hearts. And today, I feel like God has given me something that is, for me, it was really mind-blowing. So I want to start by asking you guys a question. But I need you to be completely honest, Okay. And if you lie to me today, may God never forgive you, okay? So here's what's going to do. I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask that we all participate. And for those of you that this question applies to, just raise your hand. And for those of you that it doesn't, obviously, just keep your hand down. It's all good. Now, if you are dissatisfied with your job the majority of the time, if you feel like you could be happier somewhere else, doing something else, if your job isn't fulfilling, if it's just enough to get by, to, to, to do life, would you just raise your hand? Okay, a few of you. we got some honest folks in the house. Two hands. <laughs> we'll pray for you. Now, now, here's the thing. You can go ahead and put your hands down. But today I want to talk about a dirty little four-letter word, work. Okay, and, and it doesn't matter what walk of life you've come in here with today, whether you're religious or not, whether you have it all together or not. What we're going to talk about today is work, but from a biblical perspective. And, and the truth is, is that what we're going to talk about are kind of some things that you already have experienced and you already know are true for your life, but you might not fully understand why. And so today we just want to kind of connect some dots. So this word work kind of rubs a lot of us the wrong way, doesn't it? Like, like right now when I say that, some of you thought of your dull job, all right? That, that, that boss that, bro, you can't stand him. Like he gets on your nerves. Your clients that are just, they're, they're needy. Like, come on, I don't want kids right now. Like, they're needy. Or, or you have some coworkers and customers that just get under your skin and so I want to just kind of bring this to life today by, by talking about a great American TV show, The Office. Now, yeah, come on, Michael Scott, Dwight, Jim, Pam, right now, you're not a real American if you don't love The Office. I'm just saying. So the reason that so many of us love The Office, though, is actually kind of depressing when you really think about it. Okay, so this whole show is kind of set around a sales office in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and... And it's this obsolete, nearly obsolete paper company called Dunder Mifflin. And what kind of draws us into the show at first is how the characters don't really develop as much as they just stagnate. Okay, so what we get a look at are the, at the first couple of seasons here are kind of just these dead-end jobs that result in dead-end lives. Okay, the characters live life passing, you know, the time by from one prolonged meeting you know, one deadbeat workday at a time. And so what the office does is it makes us, the audience, feel better about our workplace right, by showcasing an even drabbier workplace that has horrible decor, right? A really, really bad boss who's just offensive and the most stupid, practically useless company with the most impossibly, impossibly annoying coworkers. Okay, and, and Stanley Hudson kind of sums up the, the average workday by, by telling his, his coworker this. This will run out the clock situation. 
That was my version. <laughs> now, as hilarious as Stanley is, this speaks a lot of truth to our lives. You see, because a lot of us view work in our lives either through the lens of Michael Scott, Jim Halpert, or Stanley Hudson. Right, there are those of us in here who, like Michael Scott, are working really hard to prove that we matter, that we're worth something. Then there are those of us who are like Jim, where our work isn't fulfilling, but it's enough. Right? It, it pays the bills, it gets us by, it's something to do. And then there are those of us who are like Stanley. We're just working until the day we can kick our feet up and retire, bro. Live the American dream. Now, for too many of us, work has either become our identity or it's become a means to an end. And how this begins to take place is kind of a question that we're going to look at and answer today. And I just want to connect some dots. So do you remember when you were a kid and you were asked the question, you know, little Susie, tiny Jimmy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody remember this question? Okay, a few of you. Right now, I love being older and asking kids this question, right? Because we, knew, we know exactly what they're thinking now. Like, bro, I'm seven, I'm 12, I don't know, back off. <laughs> but truthfully, we would reply back with an answer. But it was this, the response that we gave that revealed something about our nature. These, these two desires that have been woven into our DNA. That one, we have a desire that through our work we could help others. Right? We know that we want to make a contribution. And then two, we want validation. Right? We, we want to know that we matter, that we're somebody who matters. You see, we're taught to seek out incentives like, you know, in school, like good grades and stickers and trophies. And then as you grow up, that kind of turns, turns into accolades and rewards and praise. We like to be liked. But then like begins to transform as we get older into respect. We want to be and like to be respected. We want to have self-respect. But the truth is that if you would just dig a little deeper, what we really want is we really want others to be impressed by us. Because that's, that sense that somebody else is impressed with us gives us this temporary feeling of happiness and momentary fulfillment. And so the response to, our, to the question, what do we want to be, who do you want to be, helps shows us that even as kids, we innately wanted to help society, right, contribute, and have a sense of self-worth by what we hope to do and who we hoped to become. But then we grow up. Reality sets in. Some of our dreams fall apart. Some of them begin to fall together. And then most of us begin to realize that our hopes, those dreams, those accolades that we were seeking, the things that we were trying to accomplish, don't actually bring as much fulfillment as we thought they would. Because we've taken the wrong approach to the idea of work in our culture. You see, we've mistakenly associated what we do with the value that we have to offer. And the result is 70% of Americans 
feeling dissatisfied and empty with their jobs. Right? Adults who value, whose value is found in their economic worth, right? how much they can produce. And, and consumers who desire to be contributors, because we know we want to contribute our life to something, but we're so caught up in, in self-image management that we consume what we produce for ourselves because we have to feed our broken hearts. And this is where we find people, as Tim Keller likes to say, using the quality of their work as the measuring stick for their worth. You know, the average full-time American works 47 hours per week. And I've got this graph that I just want to show you guys. We spend a third of our lives sleeping. Yay, sleep. A third of our lives working. Yeah. A third of our lives for everything else in between. That's kind of depressing. That's an average work day. We have found ourselves working our lives away to the bone, leaving behind legacies that aren't worth remembering because our jobs are soul-sucking and not soul-filling. You see, when we fail to prove our worth by what we do, we switch our view of work to a means to an end. Right? We turn our hopes and our dreams to the future for the one day that we can kick back and retire and have it all, assuming inflation and the world doesn't end. <laughs> the way that we've been taught to view work has left those, a lot of us empty and dissatisfied. So what do we do about it? In order to reconstruct how we view our work, we have to start at the very beginning. Because, and this is, this is so huge today, because if you can just catch the depth of this, it has the power and the ability to transform how you see work in your life and the potential that your work has to make a difference. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at two different accounts today, one in Genesis 1, which is kind of the, the whole... It's the story of the cosmos, right? Like how heaven and earth were created. And then we're going to look, tie that into Genesis 2, which is more of the, the narrative that you're used to, which is kind of breaking down humanity on earth. But we need both accounts to fully see the picture of how and why work has such profound implications for our lives today. So let's jump in. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Let's dig a little deeper. Genesis 2, verse 5. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the ground, and there was no one to work the ground. Did you catch that? Let's read it again. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. 
For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. And when I read this, it was like God took his holy hand and slapped me across the face. Because I grew up with an assumption that I realized has damaged my relationship to my work. See, we're talking about the Garden of Eden here. Okay, this is pre-brokenness. This is when humanity is without blemish. And I thought that the G of E, right, was like heaven on earth. Okay? That it's all Gucci, meaning that it's all taken care of. That, that we could just sit back, relax, kick up our lawn chair, soak in the sun, and listen to the waves crashing on the beach. That's not the case. And then Genesis 2.15 just spells it right out for us. Then God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work it and take care of it. Work it and take care of it. Because we were created in God's image. Work is not something we do just to get by. We have been purposed and called to work and to cultivate because work, gotta catch this, work is inherently good and our work was meant to have eternal impact. It's a good gift from a good father. And the truth is that most of you already know that this is true in your own life. Right? You don't need a pastor up here trying to, to, to explain this to you because we've all experienced joy when we've accomplished a big, a big task or done a big project, right? Like how many of you guys have done something big in your life and you felt proud of it? No hands are going up right now. All right. Disappointing crew today. You all know what it's like. When you did something good, you put in some work, you sat back, you kicked up your feet, and you're like, man, I'm the man. You're proud of yourself. And you also know that you want your life to matter. You, you know that you want to leave a legacy, and you know that it wasn't just supposed to be finite. There is this sense within us that there is something infinite. So then, where does the burden of work come into play? Because for a lot of us, our jobs aren't life-giving, and we don't feel like we're creating a legacy or making a difference. That's a great question. Let's look at this. Genesis three seventeen through 19. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. In other words, because of man's pride, the beauty and ease of work in the world that we were placed in was broken. Now work was going to be life-taking and life-giving. In other words, we would have to exert ourselves to experience its delight. And if that connection doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. See, because my whole life, I've missed this. I've made assumptions, right? When I sit back and I reflect 
on, on my, from childhood to adulthood. For so long, I realized I was trying to prove my worth, right? Good grades, you know, uh, be the best athlete, even though I only played soccer. And that was kind of lame. If you love soccer, it wasn't for me. Don't hate. You know, I really wanted to do football. My mom's here, by the way. Mom, now they all know you didn't let me play. I just want them to know. But she's a nurse. All right, moving on. I wanted good grades, right? Because I had this hope and this dream to be a doctor. I, w- I wanted to be a millionaire. Like, who in the house didn't want to be a millionaire? Right? But then I grew up. And the jobs that I got, they were pretty lame. They weren't impressive. I, I-, I had enough to get by, but it wasn't anything of impact. It wasn't anything that was eternal. So I began to ask the question, what's the point? What's my purpose? And when we get into this season, right, we experience frustration and anger. We're unsettled. And if we're honest, we begin to be unloving. Right? We don't express and show joy because we have no heart and no passion. And that's when we begin to take work as something that we just have to do. It's a means to an end. And it was in a season of disappointment when this was going on in my life that God opened up my eyes to see that my work, my life had bigger implications. That I had been, that, that, that what he wanted me to see was that the work that I had wasn't, wasn't supposed to prove my worth. That how valuable I was, my, my identity wasn't rooted in whose I was, not what I did. That I was a child of God, his creation which meant that all of my work was worthy of his attention. In my work, I could worship him and and reflect him in his goodness to the world around me, that through my work, I could be salt and light, that no matter where I found myself working or the title that I had been handed, I was called to work and to make a difference, but it was a mindset that I had to begin to change. You see, work's not created for us to glorify ourselves. It's created for us to find purpose and passion in God. And and you have to think about this. God has entrusted each and every one of us with something as significant as his world. So many of us miss that. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, our problem is with, with work is that we always want to make, we always make the mistake of starting with us, don't we? Our hopes, our dreams, our desires, right? Who am I? Instead of bringing God into the equation, like, God, how can I work for you in a way that brings the light that you've placed inside of me to life? Because the truth is, is that each and every one of us are a personal piece of the image of God. We were all created to express his light in a unique way through what it is that we do. God has placed work in our lives for us to create and cultivate life, to change and impact our world for good, for eternity. And and it's so crazy to me because so often we, we always take the viewpoint of what God created, right? In six days, heaven and earth, you know, the land, the fish, the sea, whatever. And what we forget to look at is what God chose to not create, Literally, God placed us on earth, practically gave us a blank canvas and said, fill the earth and subdue it. 
partner with me, co-create with me in, the, in our world because I want to share it with you. And we co-create with Christ when we work, creating relationships, creating community, creating environments, interactions, programs, businesses that serve and love others where they are. And then it's in that where we can have an opportunity to let them see God's light in us by our interactions through them, to them. Our jobs aren't supposed to define our lives. They're tools that we have been given to help show the love and light of Christ. We were created to be co-creators with God in the work that we find ourselves in. So when tomorrow comes and you have to go back to work, how do we work with purpose and passion? And I think this starts with an honest question to ourselves. Is what you do all for you? Is what you do all for you? Do you work to provide for your family, to, to make your life good, to bring home the bacon so you can stuff your faith, face with it? Like, like, think about that. Like, if all you do is work for yourself, eating your own bacon, you're just going to get fat and unhealthy, bro. <laughs> and I know that Britney Spears would say otherwise, right? Like, you want a Bugatti, you want a hot body, you better work, bro, right? Like, her song is a reflection of how we view work in our world. That it's about you, you, you. What you want, want, want. And yes, work was created to benefit you, but work was created for you to contribute, not to consume. Let's look at Acts 20, 35. In everything I did, and this is Paul talking, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We all know people who are weak and where we are working right now. There are people who just need a little bit of love, who need some hope, who need some help. What are you doing about it? Is what you do all for you? Do you go to work and just do your part to take care of your family, to consume and not contribute? Where do you serve others and it doesn't benefit you? If what you do is all for you, then you are never going to be fully satisfied with your work because you were made to contribute your life, not consume it. Which means that for a lot of us, we need to readjust our misplaced trust. So many of us have been investing in feeding our desires. And it's time for us to lean into Jesus, that, to, to just trust that he has our best interest in mind. And we have to start by taking inventory of where we have taken ownership of our own lives, where we prioritize and spend our time, our skills, our relationships. And, and look, most importantly, our money. And let's, let's just be real for a moment, okay? M money talks. And, and here's the thing, because if worth is based on what you do, 
then it means that you impress others with what you have. That's a mini sermon right there. If worth is based on what you do, then it means you attempt to impress people with what you have. For money, for so many of us, lords over our life. We've got hands that are like this, focused on what we want in ourselves. And God wants to do something through you with what he has given you and entrusted you with to create things more beautiful than you could ever imagine in the work that he's given you. If you would just trust him. We need to look at all areas of our life and say, Jesus, take control. We submit our desires to you, our dreams, our hopes. And then we have to be willing to listen and then change. And before you can start, we have to renew our heart. Everything starts with your heart. You see, you might have invited Jesus into your life, but if he has yet to become Lord of your life, you shouldn't expect much, much change. And, and here's the thing is, I'm not, I'm not trying to crush you today. It's okay if that's where you are. But I can tell you that if you have yet to say, Jesus, don't just live in me, lead me. Don't just love me, help me love others. Then you are not experiencing the kind of purpose and delight that you could have in your work because you have not handed it over to him. We have an opportunity in our work to show the light and love of Jesus, to connect with people, to, to create relationship, to have authentic community, to express and receive real love. And man, come on, guys, we know that there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. And if you only work for you in mind, then God's light cannot shine. Iggy, where you at, bro? I'm dropping some beats for you. God showed us how much we mattered to him by working out a way for his son Jesus to take on the debt that we owed. And in return, all that is asked of us is to work with what we've been given as hard as we can as if it was for him. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Because when we follow God's call to work for him, it replaces the motivation that we crave to create a name for ourselves and creates an opportunity for us to reveal the character, the nature, and the love of God. Our work isn't about proving our worth. Come on, you know you matter. And it's no longer a means to an end. You have been made to make a difference and you can begin to change lives when your work becomes, and, and, and when you start to change lives, that is when you have an opportunity for your work to become eternal. When we begin to live lives on mission for the good news of Jesus, then it transforms our lives and we can help transform others for eternity. Look, as I wrap up today, I want to leave you with this quote by Dorothy Sayers. And I think it's, it's such a powerful quote because she just like encompasses everything that we just said in one statement. 
Work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It is, or it should be, the full expression of the worker's faculties, the thing in which he finds spiritual, mental, and bodily satisfaction, and the medium in which he offers himself to God. If today you're in this place and you're frustrated with, with your job, if you feel like it is leaving you with this bitterness, if it's sucking life out of you, if it's soul sucking, you can change that today. You see, the idea that our work can be an offering to God is kind of a foreign idea for a lot of us. Because when, again, when we're determining what we wanna do with our lives, we seem to always leave him out of the equation. And it's funny because we sit back and then wonder, God, oh God, why do I find myself where I'm at? Oh, bro, you're doing your own thing. What'd you expect? If our work is going to be more than a job, if it is gonna become a calling, if we're gonna be filled with purpose and passion, then we, must not, we have to ask questions, not about which career will best boost our self-image, but where we can best serve the one who has called us to create and to work for him. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? If today you are struggling with a sense of purpose and worth in your life, if, if you work a job that you feel is not fulfilling, I'm going to ask that you would just acknowledge that today in the presence of God by raising your hand. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hands. Hands are going up everywhere. Go ahead and put them down. If we want change, we have to be honest with ourselves and then we have to have enough humility to invite God into that conversation. And you've got a church here that wants to partner with you to help bring that out of you, what God has placed in you. And so today, I, I just want to pray over you today because I know that a lot of you, if that was you, you're tired, man. You're worn out. You, you want to throw in the towel. You want to quit. And deep down, you know you never wanted that. But the life you're living, is you can live for more. Let's pray together. God, as we seek to get closer to your heart, as we look to change how we view our work, God, I ask that you would begin to stir these three questions in our heart today. God, what breaks our heart when we see it, when we think of it, God? What is it that we're passionate about? Some of us, God, need, need just a little bit of revelation to happen inside of us. God, you've equipped each and every one of us with spiritual gifts, God, and for some of us, we just don't know what that is. God, I would ask that you would begin to help us figure out a way to reveal that to us, that we could begin to, to exercise the tools that we've been given to work, God, on mission for you. Help us, God, realize that where we've been placed is our greatest opportunity to serve others, to give meaning and purpose to work. When we begin to look at it through your eyes, God, help us to recognize this is a journey that we can start today. Not, not three years from now, 
not on that next job. That God, today we can begin to see the purpose and the difference that our work can make in someone's life, in our lives. Help us to be able to reimagine our work, not as a means to glorify ourselves, but as service to you, the one who has called us to work. Because until we take our eyes off us and put them on you, our work will never feel like more than a job. And it will never become something more than a means to an end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.